And welcome back to another episode of Lower After Hours Presents Cinema. It's a podcast where we watch movies rated 69% on Rotten Tomatoes or 6.9 stars on IMDb, and we establish if it's worth it. Tonight I'm joined by Jeanette in Southern California. How you doing? I'm happy to be here and super excited to do this review with you tonight, Beep. Super, super excited about this one. So we have tonight the 1988 classic Scrooged, uh, directed by Richard Donner. This one is actually starring Bill Murray. Uh, This is actually Bill Murray in his, I think, prime, right? Yeah, because this is... Um, there's like a good period for him, yeah. right? He's he's on a he's on a bit of a roll, um, established himself as a leading comedic actor, and to get this right off the bat is probably like super great for him. Oh, you know? for sure. Yeah, it, he gets to do a lot of those Bill Murray things that you're used to seeing, like from from watching his comedies. Right, so like if you were into SNL, it kind of carries a lot of that over. So you see how good he can be on the screen in this movie. So this movie is rated on IMDb a 7.0 on IMDb. It is rated 69% by critics and 71% by users on Rotten Tomatoes. The budget for this one was $32 million and it grossed. Uh, worldwide, sixty million dollars. So nice little money maker here. Kind of double, mm-hmm. double your, uh, double your profits, double your fun. Double up. Double up. Uh, some taglines here. The spirits will move you in odd and hysterical ways. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and the second one here. Bill Murray is back among the ghosts. Only this time, it's three against one. Mm. Playing off little Ghostbusters there. Yeah, totally. So again, this movie was directed by Richard Donner. Uh, Richard Donner actually just passed away back in July 2021. Rest in peace. He is known for directing Superman, uh, Superman 2, Lady Hawk, and Lethal Weapon. How about Mm -hmm. that? This one was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Makeup in 1989. And again, this one stars Bill Murray. You know him from Lost in Translation, Rushmore, Moonrise Kingdom, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizu, and of course, Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. It also stars uh, Karen Allen. You know her as Marion from Indiana Jones and the Raiders of Lost Ark, uh, Starman, and National Lampoon's Animal House. Also has uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Know him from <laughs> Shakes the Clown, God Bless America, uh, as, as a director. Um, and also from Hercules, he was the voice of Pain. It also, the, the, the cartoon, the movie, correct, the Disney movie, correct. I was thinking Kevin Sorbo first because I was like, he was in that. No, 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 no. <laughs> now you gone too far. <laughs> this one also stars the legend John Forsyth, passed away in 2010 at the ripe age of 92. Yeah. Uh, John was known for The Trouble with Harry, In Cold Blood, Dynasty, and Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle. Also mm-hmm. starring John Glover, know him from Gremlins 2, In the Mouth of Madness, and Payback. And also starring... You know Stu Gatz watched Payback. Oh, for sure. Is, <laughs> is that the one, Give me back my son! 
<laughs> no, that's Ransom. Same, basically the same movie. Payback, Ransom, same thing. Both starring uh, Mel Gibson, by the way. Give me back my son. <laughs> yeah, those are definitely those hit the tropes for Stu Gatz. If there's any type of also like mentorship that happens, that has a seal of approval right there. Yeah, any mentorship or any uh, any revenge plot, any sort of get back, payback. Uh, payback's a bitch. I'm sure that would be. Uh, at the top of his uh, of his rewatchables list, mm-hmm. this one also stars David Johansson, known for Let It Ride, Kick Ass, the soundtrack, and uh, the house that Jack built, also on the soundtrack. So I think he was just a, a musician on those. So we open up here another 1980s tracking drone helicopter shot that was just giving me motion sickness the entire time. <laughs> We're heading through the North Pole, heading down to Santa's workshop. The elves are in there making toys. And then suddenly this huge bright light flashing in the sky. Something's hurtling to the ground. And the workshop is just under siege. Another great movie, Under Siege. <laughs> Pro- probably, again, Stu's top ten. Yeah. Uh, and then through a giant hole in the wall, a man walks in with his minigun. And uh, it's it's Lee Majors, uh, the $6 million man, Steve Austin. What? Not that Steve Austin. What? Yeah, there have been a couple Steve Austins. Uh, at least, what, three? This one was just ice cold Steve Austin. <laughs> he was uh, tepid at best. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the North Pole, so of course he's going to be ice cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Bottom Thank line you. is, I'm about to walk a mud hole in your ass. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Got a note. He must have been at least fifty years old here, uh, and this really goes to show that the aging action star really has been a thing for a long, long time. Liam Neeson may be the best at it, but Lee Majors, I think, really started the trend here. Yeah, because everybody wants. You know, we have the recency bias, so it'll be like Eastwood. Um, and, you know, those types of guys trying to get back into it. Uh, I think Statham is crawling up there. You don't, you really yeah. can't him and uh, Vin Diesel. You re- because, you know, nowadays looking looking old is different than back in like the 80s and 90s where you really looked old. But those guys are like sneaky old. So we don't really consider them aging guys. Right. Because they still look like they're in their late 30s or early 40s. But I think they're like 50 something. Yeah, Statham was born in 67, so that yeah. makes him, yeah, like 55? Yeah, he's going to be 55, 54, 55. Yeah. So it turns out this is just a movie trailer uh, for a movie called The Night the Reindeer Died. Got a note, Stu would love this movie. This this would be his number one draft pick for uh, Christmas movies of all time. Or if it was like... And then, because you could build a a franchise off of this, because then it's the night the reindeer got payback or revenge, right? Because there's gonna be like a little son or daughter reindeer, yeah, that survived, and then they went to go train and got revenge on Lee Majors. And right? there's also the the prequel that that shows up in there before towards mm-hmm. the night before the reindeer died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the yeah. real origin story, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can do origin stories based on individual point of view, which is like the new thing where it's like, you know what? They really weren't that evil to begin with because this traumatic event happened to them like in Maleficent, 
right? She was right. a pretty decent, you know, fairy until that king like chopped off her wings and she couldn't fly anymore. Nailed and it. she got all super like pissy. And she got wanted- maleficent. <laughs> yes, she did. Hell yeah. Popping up on the screen now, we have a commercial for uh, Robert Goulet, Bob Goulet, uh, in a canoe just singing carols through the Louisiana swamp. That was uh, now, so great. <laughs> yeah, now we have another commercial showing up, and it's a, a remake for Leave it to Beaver called Father Loves Beaver. Beaver. No, Beaver. Come on, $2. Uh, and it looks like this is just all trailers for a network called IBC, and we pan out now, and we, we get to meet Frank Cross, uh, played by Bill Murray. He is the president of television for IBC. Now he says, uh, show me the promo for Scrooge. This is the classic telling of the Charles Dickens story uh, starring Buddy Hackett. This has Jamie Farr, the solid gold dancers. Uh, and Tiny Tim is played by uh, America's uh, sweetheart, Mary Lou Retton. Yeah, which, at the time. Yeah. 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 Coming off of 84, 84, right. Los Angeles, the, 88, Seoul. Mm-hmm. I, don't know if, I don't know if she was in the Seoul Olympics. I think it might be just based off of 84. The, yeah. you know, being able like uh the the perfect 10 and all that stuff right yeah her, her and uh nadia komenichi were mm-hmm. uh the uh, show was like 70 in 70s yeah. um, i think yeah frank uh frank cross bill murray absolutely hates this trailer turns out they spent 40 million dollars uh on this movie and basically just wants to kill everyone that was ever involved with making this uh scrooge remake uh, Elliot Loudermilk, played by Bobcat Goldthwait, is uh, basically trying to change his mind, saying, oh, everyone's excited about it. <laughs> uh, that's okay. You know, that's such a t- no. I, I'm going to find myself $5 for just an awful. You were brave enough to try. That's the thing. You have to at least try with your limited bait. It's, you know, it's like Mina. She has tried to build up the confidence to do them, despite not always hitting the mark. Never hitting the mark. But confidence is key. We've heard that a lot. When we hear about these people that waltz into the Super Bowl, they're like, it's confidence. You act like you belong. So once the confidence kicks up, you're like, you know what? I don't care. And then later I can be like, oh, my gosh, you can kind of crumble. But don't you? So I don't know if anybody owns this trademark, but I'm surprised more like networks, movies, and whatnot, advertisers, they don't use the phrase, you'll love it, Y-U-L-E, around this time of year. <laughs> like, it's so obvious. So somebody must own that, and that's why nobody has ever used it or will try to use it. Yeah, yeah. Someone's definitely getting some royalties off of, off of that trademark. So Frank cues uh, up his own promo, and this is basically what Stu Gotts would have made if he was making a Christmas movie. Uh, you hear the the traditional... Voiceover by the uh, announcer saying bombs, guns, drugs, planes exploding. Yeah, um, I mean, th- this how how is that Christmas? But I, you know what? Yeah, that's yeah. that's something we cannot make in uh, 2021. No, if no, we, no, no. If we were trying to like, there's enough attention grabbing that we see already, but to show a plane exploding. We can't. I don't think we can show freeway shootings. Right. <laughs> Everything else, maybe, um, you know, the Inuit, you know, uh, drug use. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, I think either right around the time that this movie was made or right after there was actually a hijacking where they blew up a plane midair. I think it was like Pan Am flight something or rather I'll I'll have to kind of check some notes there, but yeah, I, you know what? I did see this in the, in the trivia somewhere. Frank says, well, we don't want to scare the Dickens out of people. The (laughs) Dickens out of people. Reference. Yeah. And after the meeting ends, uh, Frank basically fires Elliot Loudermilk, uh, Bobcat. Uh, Frank uh, critiques his assistant, his assistant's child's drawing. Uh, looks like it was done by a three-year-old, but that's a that's a major HR violation to take a personal image just like trash it and it's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that like nowadays, I think if you go and you bring that, that could win you what like a couple thousand. Oh, Maybe. at least, at least. Ten, we'll, 10, we'll have 000. to check with our HR department mm-hmm. to kind of see what, you know, what actually would qualify there. Um, but yeah, now he's uh, going through his Christmas gift list with his assistant, basically beside, deciding between towels and VCRs. Good people that are going to get him uh, advertising, they get the VCR. Even his brother is getting a towel set. The head of the network uh, is now coming up to see Frank and... They start talking about the new Scrooge movie, and he starts coming up with ideas for marketing television shows to cats and dogs and animals. <laughs> I, I think that's like, I, I think um, that is an actual thing because there are there's alleged programming somewhere, maybe YouTube or whatever, that where there's a thing where if you're you know, before if you used to go to work, if your pet allegedly has like separation issues, where if you play these particular shows, it helps them with their anxiety so they won't allegedly rip up your house. So we've kind of come full circle on that, which, you know, I, I don't know, like, it's weird. It's like, so, you know, this guy truly had the vision. Have you ever given or received a towel for Christmas, though, Beep? No. I've I've given a, a bathrobe, but you know, it was it was monogrammed. It had you know, it had like you know, meaning to it. Um, but no, ne- never a, a towel or a towel set. That's just no. Not yeah, not. I think you that would only be acceptable like for Christmas if it was like people that decide to get married at Christmas, and it's part of their registry, right? Oh sure. I think outside sure. of that, you you normally don't give towels uh, as presents. Yeah, unless there's like some sort of personalization on it, you know, monogram, you know, whatever. Then yours I and yours. Be, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, his and hers, yours and yours, uh, mine and mine, something like that. Mine and mine in the morning. <laughs> so Frank starts bombing it back to his office because he is working late and he's not going to let his assistant leave uh, because if he works late then she's got to work late and she if you can't work late then i can't work late and i can't work late and also who has a who schedules their son's doctor's appointment seven o'clock at night what what kind of like health horrible health plan did did this network have because it was seven o'clock at night and she scheduled it two months in advance exactly so either this is like the greatest doctor she's taking her son to go see or this is just a really crappy health plant and this guy, like, this doctor only works, like, evening shift? I don't know. That's so bizarre. 
Yeah. No, no clue. Mm -mm. The assistant tells uh, Frank that uh, his brother is inside his office. They start talking about Christmas. Uh, Frank basically says, uh, it's a crock. It's just for kids and for me to sell, uh, to make money selling TV ads. Uh, during this whole uh, uh, scene, he basically Stugatz is a, a cab from an old lady, steals it, and uh, that, yeah, I could definitely see Stu pulling that that kind of trick. Uh, uh, Frank is on his way to being honored as the humanitarian of the year. Good, good for him. I I don't know how he was able to to get that honor, but based on what I've seen so far. Definitely not the right candidate for that job. No, that must have been like this. So this uh, Rotary Club or whatever. Maybe they want like a discount on advertising to like run a commercial or something. Oh, sure, sure. On the network, so they figure if they give them this award when they want a thirty second spot or something, instead of paying I don't know fifty thousand dollars for some airtime, yeah. maybe they'll get like thirty or twenty five. So that's what they're angling for. Oh yeah. Heady plays all around here. Yeah, because even back then, even though there was no internet, you know, to do some background research on people, um, they probably had somebody that could like, hey, you're going to go and go through newspaper clippings. You're going to go to the library and, you know, get microfiche on this guy and come back with his, like, top five things that he's been worthy of this award. But they were like, no, we're going to skip all those protocols because we just want to be on his network. Yeah. We want advertising. Yeah. So we cut to Elliot, uh, Bobcat, losing his mind, drinking out of a paper bag. Cab <laughs> comes by, does the classic uh, car splash, uh, soaks him with uh, you know street water and, and melting snow and the bag rips, and he drops his, uh, his bottle. Uh, he's getting out of the cab, gives him a five, which is basically like 35 cents change, and leaves his Humanitarian of the Year award in the cab. Uh, Grace, the uh, the assistant, and her son, they're now coming down the stairs off the subway after the doctor's appointment. Turns out the kid cannot speak, uh, mm -hmm. and she basically feels like she was bamboozled by the doctor. Frank is now back in his office. He's having a, a vodka and tab. Have you ever had a tab, a tab soda? I have seen of them, but I don't think I have ever tasted them. Yeah, I... I same thing with like RC Cola. I've I've seen of it, but I've never tasted an I, RC Cola. I've had RC Cola. It's pretty Pepsi-ish, you know? Yeah. So I think it's like um, they were like their whole thing was like the whole real sugar. I mean, everybody had real sugar. Yeah. But that was like their whole taste, their whole take on it. But I've never had tab. So I, I don't know if this is just. They couldn't secure a product placement deal with Coke or Pepsi, so that's why they went with Tab. Well, I think Tab was a big deal back then, especially for like the mixed drink circuit. We uh, were now back in the office here. He's uh, again knocking down that vodka and Tab. There's a, a knock at the door, and then the whole room starts shaking. Uh, the earth was quaking. Uh, the door is about to be just knocked down, and then it just explodes. Uh, Frank mm -hmm. reaches in his uh, desk for a gun, and this zombie uh, just comes walking through the door. Just looks like he uh, fresh off of a like nice little round of golf, and starts just pouring himself a drink. And Frank just unloads this weapon into the zombie. The zombie says, "I don't mind you shooting me, Frank, but take it easy on the Bacardi." 
this this was like because uh, uh, you know we saw like the when he went back to the building we saw like very basic security of like hey you know Mr. Cross da, 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 good evening and you know yeah. whatever and I was like okay like why would he take a gun to work <laughs> you know I mean, it's New York City in the 80s but it's in his office <laughs> true he, he, nobody's for the most part no one is gonna get in that he doesn't want to get in so I don't know yeah. is that like if they try to take me out of this spot I'll show them or, like maybe, type of- or maybe if <laughs> the night the reindeer died doesn't uh, doesn't do so well you know maybe it's or or it's like when he's trying to prove a point maybe like you know he would bring that up it like really you know it's been like i don't right. i don't know it just mm. what what yeah like different reindeer games right <laughs> russian roulette reindeer games so, so here, a hole here. in the back of the skull i uh, <laughs> And out comes a golf ball and a a mouse. A mouse is climbing on the back of his uh, zombie skull. Mm. And uh, the zombie turns around. He downs the drink in one. And, and of course, the drink just starts shooting out of the uh, the bullet holes in his torso. I, I, I love that part. You know, I, I knew it was coming. I knew exactly what was going to happen. But I, I, I love the shit out of that. Yeah. It's like so, like I said, it's like... Like from that time, like you, you would have seen that gag on Saturday Night Live. Oh, if they yeah. had like a like a cowboy, like OK Corral type of situation, and then they go to the saloon and get a sarsaparilla. Like, shh. never had a sarsaparilla either. I don't know what that is. I don't even know if they still make it. Maybe I think it's, it's only- just root beer. Oh, yeah. I, I think the root in root beer is the sarsaparilla root. Hmm. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. We'll fact check that later. Yeah, <clears throat> not my job. So this zombie is Lou Hayward, uh, Frank's old boss. Uh, he's been dead for seven years. Uh, says Frank, "You're in big trouble. Uh, if you don't, if you don't change your ways, then you're doomed." Uh, he's going to be, you know, visited by three ghosts. The first one is tomorrow at noon. Uh, says noon is no good. How about uh, Thursday for drinks, or maybe I can squeeze you in for breakfast? Lou isn't having it. Picks Frank up by the throat and puts him through the window. You know, by osmosis, literally through the window. Doesn't shatter it. Just goes, manifests his way through the window. David Blaine through the window here and dangles him over the uh, the New York City streets. And Lou's hand classically starts to fall apart because he's been a, a zombie for seven years, dead in mm-hmm. the ground. And Frank just starts to tumble a hundred stories down to the ground. And he lands uh, on his coffee table back in his office, and he looks over, and his office phone just starts dialing itself. Uh, and it's uh, called a woman named Claire Phillips, and that was uh, played by Karen Allen, uh, his former girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He leaves a message and uh, looks around the room, and it doesn't appear as if anything happened. I, I miss a good voicemail. I miss a good voicemail. Do you? I I do. I so uh, not a voicemail about your warranty is about to expire. So not yeah. an identity theft Correct. voicemail, or uh, uh, your your child's doctor's appointment is friendly reminder, or uh, school related, but an actual like 
Hey, sorry I missed you for lunch today. Let's, you know, um, whenever you're free again, let's meet up. Have a great day. Bye. Yeah, or, you know, just just a, a just thinking about you voicemail. Because, you know, sometimes a text message just doesn't cut it. But a nice voicemail, you, 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 you hear the passion in that other person's voice. You hear the friendly tones. Hey, just thinking about you. Missed you. Oh, okay. Love you, mean it. Aw. Shout out Katie Nolan. Don't worry. She doesn't listen to this podcast. It's cool. Maybe so, she will. She'll love it. Katie, love you. Mean it. So Frank is, uh, he chugs his drink, his vodka and tab, and he pulls Lou's skull golf ball out of his mouth and just faints. Now we, uh, we cut to Grace, <laughs> the assistant, and the other uh, kids are putting up tree decorations on, uh, on the youngest one. Uh, I don't remember <laughs> if they said his name, but I just put the youngest one. Calvin. Calvin. His name is Calvin. Nice. Uh, Now we are back in the office, and Frank sees an article of an old woman that died after she saw Frank's Scrooge promo. He says, this is the best publicity ever. This is exactly like uh, it's great pub for Nike that Zion's shoes exploded. It's the exact same thing. Kind of, because what he is aiming for is viewerships, the Nielsen rating. So if you are killing off potential viewers, that is bad for business. Correct. But it's also going to bring in people, oh, I've got to see this. It killed somebody. Is it going to kill me? You know, the the thrill seekers, right? Yeah. Like, so I don't know, like, because they didn't say they were going to do like a surgeon general warning. Well, they did, right? They're like, not for pregnant women, heart attacks, the elderly or something like that. Exactly. So so they slapped the surgeon general thing and, and that kind of entices you more it's like you know not that i would have but it's like why can't i ride a roller coaster when i'm pregnant yeah give me the why behind the why you know what i mean Am I, is it is, is the g-force gonna cause me to like spontaneously go into labor you know i i don't know who knows the shadow knows <laughs> So Grace walks into the office and tells Frank that he is needed on set. Uh, the network sensor is on set and saying that she can't have this uh, this outfit uh, on network TV. You can see her nipple. Well, I want to see her nipple. Dickens would have wanted to see her nipple. Yeah. Nipples. You, it was you, just one. Yeah, and there you know what? The, the construction guys here on set say, you can hardly see them nipples. So... And I kind of agree with him. I I did not see a nipple. A nipple it I was, did not see. Yeah. Um, you know, anatomy lesson. It was the areola. It was about, you know, the, to- the top half, of course, not the actual nipple. So there was a line. There is a distinction. Gotcha. So it was it was the sunrise of the areola. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I think this is the most times in any podcast that we've ever done that we've said areola. That's three. Mm. Areola. Four. Foriola. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Someone on set is calling out the name Lumpy, uh, and it's clear. Apparently, Lumpy was Frank's uh, pet name. This has got to be his ex, uh, and it turns out it is. It's been a while. Claire says that Frank sounded like he heard a ghost, and he is interrupted by a prop guy who can't get antlers glued to a mouse's head. Frank says... Try staples. Yeah, and 
the look on his face, the prop guy, when he's like, staple them. He's just like, that, you can't staple something to a mouse's head. <laughs> Scrooge like, apparently is brought to you by Mavis Staples. I didn't, I'm like, I don't even want to see them attempt that. I don't think they will. So I was just like, cut away, cut away to something. Get out of there, little rat. Yeah. So Frank sees a kid just wandering through the set and just accosts him, grabs him, uh, pins him down against the wall. This turns out this is uh, Grace's youngest, Calvin. And then Claire asks, how come he's so angry? And he changes the subject to her husband or boyfriend. She says that she's never been married, and he keeps on just in, he keeps on being interrupted by a construction team just hammering, uh, and just will you hold the hammering, please? And you know, comedically, just over and over, every time he tries to speak, the construction team just gets back to work on those hammers. I love this part. Yeah, I thought his questioning of her about um, the husband boyfriend. I'm like, that's really. Like, he's being really sly. And, like, she, you know, and then she just offers up the information. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you you could see that where, if he's, when he's negotiating and stuff like that, this is all, like, negotiating one-on-one. These are his hacks and tricks from being across other people and trying to gain the upper hand. Yeah, exactly. So the final time he says, will you stop the hammering, please? Everyone does stop, and now the set comedically just completely falls apart. <laughs> so now he is headed off to lunch uh, with the head of the network, and they are talking about the uh, the Scrooge the Scrooge special. And uh, Frank says that Leroy Neiman is going to be painting, and Leroy Neiman repeat offender. He was mm. the uh, in ring announcer in Rocky Four. With the awesome mustache? Wow. That's that's Leroy Neiman. Yeah. But I would love to have seen him again. Shout out Leroy. So Preston, uh, he is the the head of the network. He worries that Frank is basically spreading himself too thin, and he brings on uh, someone to help him uh, named Bryce Cummings. Apparently he knows Preston's son, went to college with him, you know, fraternity brothers, whatever. Uh, Frank doesn't like this one bit. Uh, he looks at his watch and it's noon and he's starting to lose it. And he just remember what, what Lou said the night before that he's going to meet the first ghost uh, today at noon. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he gets a drink from the waiter and he sees an eyeball in the drink and starts just hallucinating, just absolutely losing it. Mm-hmm. Looking around the room and now he sees a guy just burning up, just completely on fire. And he starts to, uh, to head outside and he stops to throw a whole pitcher of water on the dude. Um, <laughs> And there was no fire. And he apologizes and says, oh, I thought that guy was Richard Pryor. I lost it. What a good joke. Especially for that time. What a great joke. Yeah, I think it's just like, that is like so great because, you know, they're seeing him kind of lose it. And they are thinking it's the stress of the production that has gotten to him. So the help is justified. But internally, he's the hallucinations are a part of this um, journey he's about to take on. But that whole that sequence with the joke of like Richard, like that was so great. (laughs) Yeah, I absolutely lost it. I I stopped because I saw it as a rental. So I went back a couple times. So I watched that like about three times. It was so good. Yeah. 
He is outside now, uh, getting some fresh air, and he decides to uh, to hail a cab. Uh, this cabbie is just all over the road, and it is the ghost of Christmas past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he drives by, and classically, Elliot Loudermilk, Bobcat, is uh, drinking another bottle, and the cabbie just swipes it out of his hand uh, mid-drive, <laughs> and he, he sets the meter, and we're heading back in time. We're going to 1955. And this is uh, this is Frank's uh, childhood neighborhood, mm-hmm. and he says, "I know what's going on. You just brought me here back in time to see my mother and father, and you're supposed to get all weepy and blubbery." Says that's not going to happen. I I don't do that. Cabby says, or the Ghost of Christmas Past, Attila the Hun said the same thing, but when he saw his mother, Niagara Falls. I'd I'd like to believe that, but uh, given what we know about Attila. Hmm. So I'm a maybe on that one. I'm a meh. <laughs> you had to be determined. You had to be there, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know until the hun had a mother. Everybody has a mother. Everyone? Well, how are, how do we become born? Hmm. Hmm. Classically, the ghost those goes through right right through the door. Uh, Frank. Comedically doesn't. Of course, he uh, he just hits the door. <laughs> goes sticks his head right through. I love that joke. Uh, 1955, his mom sitting there pregnant, just huffing away, a couple of heaters. Uh, dad comes home and gives Frank uh, five pounds of veal for Christmas as, a, as his Christmas present. That's yeah. sweet. <laughs> such, a, such a great present. So, so it's sweet. better than the train he wanted, honestly. Yeah, honestly, I mean, that's nowadays that's a, that's a $30 piece of meat. Yeah, and you know, if you if you can get it in your state, some places veal is outlawed like here in California, we it's it's very much frowned upon the practice of, you know, the veal industry. So, it's uh, something we see a lot less of than, you know, back in 88. Different times, Neto. Yeah, uh, but like you know, like if we change it up, right? If you're, if my dad's coming home for Christmas, and I'm like, I really wanted a train. It's like, here's five pounds of T-bone. So I would have been like, let's light up the grill, Dad. No ketchup though. No ketchup on steaks. No. We've established this. We we have medium rare. Many times. Medium medium rare. That's the temperature range. Yeah, got, got to go nice little medium rare there. Uh, so Frank starts to tear up just like the ghost said he would. Niagara Falls. Uh, now we're jumping <laughs> forward in time to 1968. We are back in the uh, the IBC office here. Uh, it's a Christmas party and everyone is just you know having a great time, enjoying themselves. Except for Frank, he's working. Uh, mm-hmm. My guess is he's you know just a lowly intern or, or first couple Stick years. Stick in the mud. The yeah. Stick in the mud. But he's also, I think setting himself up to be hey look i'm the guy that works i'm the guy that does my job who the fuck is this guy oh you must you must be the guy that does his job who are you the other guy say how do you mother find me <laughs> smoking those heaters while nine months pregnant yeah exactly uh <laughs> she would have gotten on the roller coaster mama cross she got you know she went to coney island and she's all like let's go yeah that, that's how frank was born <laughs> on, on, the, on the coney cross expressway baby Baby, hell yeah! Uh, Lou Lou Hayward tells him to enjoy himself, and then a woman hands him a Xerox uh, of her ass and mm-hmm. asks him out for some Chinese food, and he says, "No, it's it's bad for you. It's uh, just cats and dogs." 
uh, completely oh oblivious that this woman is, is hitting on him. Uh, and now we jump to him meeting Claire for the first time. She knocked him out with a door. And this is just love at first sight. He asks her out. Love struck. Completely love struck. Wow. Wait, oh, moonstruck. Moonstruck. That, that, that was the other one. Yeah. Uh, he asks her out. And then uh, she says, well, let's go out for some Chinese food. And he says, yes. Hmm. 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 How the turntables. Hmm. Now we fast forward to 1969. Nice. And they are living together. They are absolutely head over heels in love. And they're opening up Christmas presents. It's uh, Christmas Eve. She gets a set of Ginsu knives. And he gets the uh, the book, the Karma Sutra. Yeah, th- those... Those seem to be um, on equal footing. <laughs> Especially for 1969, right? I mean, yeah. you know, knives and love. What, what what more do you want? So now we fast forward to 1971, and we are on the set of Frisbee the Dog. It's basically this live kids show, live studio kids show, uh, this giant dog costume. It turns out it's Frank actually in the dog costume. Uh, we... On a commercial break, uh, Frank takes off the head. He's pouring sweat. And Lou, Lou, uh, his boss, is now setting up some dinner reservations. And Frank gets the invite. And uh, Claire is there, and she reminds him that, you know, they can't go. They already have dinner plans with with some friends. And he is just not happy about it. And Claire suggests, well, you know, maybe we need to take some time apart and break up. Um. Ghost goes away, and uh, Frank is now uh, back in reality, uh, back in present-day 1988. So they haven't seen each other in 17 years? Because that was 71. So we're, you know, based on this working, it's like that's the last time they saw each other. Correct. So in 17 years, she still has the same phone number and everything. Well, I mean, you didn't, you know, switch your mobile carrier back in the 70s. You know, you, you had your landline, you had your landline, you know. It wasn't something that you just kind of gave up because getting a new, you know, phone number probably wasn't easy back in the 70s. Yeah. Also, I thought that was, um, like, pretty sad, like, that whole moment where uh, she's getting in the elevator and the thing closes on her. Sorry, someone sneezed really loud over here. <laughs> so she's in the elevator. It closes. And we have like one of those touching scenes of, oh, that's how it ended. Because he goes back to just being a sweaty TV dog. Yeah. So I'm about to make a confession here. Uh, huh. This is about where my note taking stopped. Uh, <laughs> I I had done a a watch on this. Uh, just, you know, nice little pre-watch just to make sure that I kind of remember stuff. And I, I took some fairly detailed notes. Obviously, we just covered here over the, the first half of this movie. Uh, I ended up stopping these notes at about one o'clock in the morning. I just I couldn't keep my eyes up anymore. And uh, so now we're just going into basically <laughs> uh, a segment we're going to call Beep Count Reads. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get through this one pretty quickly now. 
Uh, so now the the ghost of Christmas present uh, appears, and it is a life size pixie whose you know cheerful and childlike demeanor basically offsets her completely violent behavior. And this this wonderful pixie is played by the delightful Carol Kane. Uh, you know her from The Princess Bride, uh, Adam's Family Values, uh, The Pacifier. She basically shows him. Uh, how Grace's family lives in poverty because of uh, Frank's stinginess and how much his brother actually misses him. That was it's like, it's like, oh, I, I think she's due for an evaluation or like a bonus or something. Yeah. She keeps on hitting him to like up the ante to like get her more money. Yeah. And, um, and she's the one that also tells him the reason why Kelvin can't has cannot speak is he saw his father get murdered we don't know exactly how but the little boy saw him he was incredibly traumatized and from that moment on he refused to speak right and i think this kind of explains why she had the doctor's appointment two months in advance the only time that that they could see him was at seven o'clock at night basically i think christmas eve or you know right around christmas eve it's a specialist you know they you know don't have a lot of availability. So you, you got to set those appointments pretty far in advance. So now after the second ghost visit, uh, Elliot Loudermilk, the uh, the Bob, great Bobcat Goldthwait, is now completely deranged and drunk. And then after spending a few nights here on the streets, he storms into uh, into the office with a doorbell shotgun and tries to murder Frank, the, uh, mm-hmm. the ghost of Christmas future. Uh, is this seven foot tall ghoul uh, with a TV screen for a face. And he uh, appears to kind of show Frank a future uh, in which Calvin has now ended up in a mental hospital. Uh, Claire has become uh, as cold and uncaring as he is. Uh, and James and James's wife, uh, who is his uh, his brother and sister-in-law, uh, they now attend his, uh, his funeral, his cremation. Um, and they're the only people in this room aside from i think there was like a priest or yeah, whoever or the, runs like the, the funeral home or just like the person that's like i believe the fire is ready because he's the yeah. like he pulls the lever and we see that the uh, that the uh, coffin starts going into the fire and right. he's trying to pull it out because it's like i don't want to die i don't want to die and uh I think that's when he wakes up and we hear the hallelujah, yep. hallelujah. And I was just like, wait, was Stu Gotts right about something? What's ca- what's happening here? Like, what, what was he right about? <laughs> that was like my whole thing. What happened with Stu? Yeah. And uh, so he goes and he interrupts the production. He, you know, he was able to, con- he hires back Bobcat Goldway. And gives him like a raise and all this stuff to make up for everything that he's done to him. Because I believe in the span of two days, him losing his job caused him to lose his family. His wife left him and he lost his apartment. That's a rough 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. I don't think anybody's had a rougher 48 hours than, than Bobcat in this movie. Yeah. He also had uh, one bottle of booze break and another one stolen. And he had his pockets p- picked after donating blood. Yeah. <laughs> so they go on to hijack the production. Bobcat Goldweight has the whole production room held hostage with the with the shotgun. And uh, 
Bill Murray just like stops the show completely and he's just like tells everybody why thinking that Christmas is um is unimportant or it's just a way to means money, how it's the wrong way to think and how it starts off you don't have to do a grand gesture to change the what you do. It could be if you do something nice for somebody, then they can do it for somebody else. So it's the was it uh pass it forward mentality that we yeah. see nowadays it where forward. it's like yeah, yeah like oh i i i paid for your starbucks order or um leaving candy out for your delivery drivers at this time of day holding a door open you know not you know anything cr- like you know okay i'm gonna donate a kidney <laughs> you know but just little things just How, the smallest- ben ice mm-hmm. ben ice yeah yeah <laughs> and so he just starts like uh gets the whole crowd the production going and he's just like did i miss anything right because he's like telling you about tell people you love them and all all these things all this sentimentality starts coming forth from him and how it's not too late to change so if you're a curmudgeonly person and you've been holding back to all this negativity it's not too late to change it because it could save your life and then little calvin comes up and he says, God blesses every one of us. Or something along those lines. Yeah, the, the, the classic line from Dickens, God blesses everyone. The Tiny Tim line, yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody, well, his mom is shocked because like he hasn't talked in five years. And Bill Murray picks him up and he's like, what did you say? What? And I cried. When, like I cried because I was like, oh, he, he talked. Oh, so great. And then Frank starts to lead the crew here in a a great rendition of Put a Little Love in Your Heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sees uh, Lou. Uh, he sees all the, the ghosts um, and basically just kind of waving and, and singing. And he breaks the fourth wall. He's looking at the camera now. He's talking to everybody at home. Put a little love in your heart and roll credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, and it's like, uh, I don't know whose idea it was to have uh, Karen Allen always just like sneak up behind the camera guy when they're in the um, in the production set, but she does it again at, at this point where she sees his, um, his transformation because everybody's watching him on TV. Yeah. Right? So I guess people wanted to see where they were like, hey, I, I watched the trailer. I didn't die. Now I'm going to watch this thing. Let's see what it's all about. So I had a question. Do you think how that they actually shot Mary Lou Redden doing that tumble each and every time, or they just like did it the one time and kept on like through editing, they kept on splicing it into the movie into those sections? I'm I'm gonna say just the one time, uh, just because the the budget of the movie, you know, it's in that thirty million dollar range. I don't think they they had her for multiple days for those multiple takes. I think she was on set for just the one day. She's that one take, one take Charlie, and she did it. And they just kind of reuse it and reuse it and reuse it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I'm like, they just had to like, she's like you said, one take, wonder, and it's like, boom, we're gonna stick it here, 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 here. All right, let's get into some trivia here. Uh, when the ghost of Christmas present Carol Kane grabbed uh, Bill Murray's lip, she actually tore it so badly that uh, filming was halted for several days. Mm. Yeah. Comforting, comforting, comforting. 
Mm-hmm. Someone told me to say that. Shout out Schweitz. Yeah. Uh, Bill Murray falling on his way out of the restaurant was completely unscripted and a genuine accident. Uh, apparently, this is due to the star- the stairs still being wet after splashing the waiter with water that caused him to lose his footing. Shout out Richard Pryor. <laughs> All of Bill Murray's uh, acting brothers, John Murray, Joel Murray, and Brian Dole Murray, appeared in this movie. Uh, John is the only one that it was actually uh, on screen there. Uh, he was his brother. So yeah, yeah. Um, this was Bill Murray's first starring role since Ghostbusters. Ghost, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters in 1984. He had been living in Paris and had seriously considered giving up acting altogether. Uh, wow. Jack McGee, you know him from uh, Rescue Me as uh, as the fire chief. He ad libbed the line, "You can hardly see them nipples." <laughs> good, good for Jack. Quick on his feet. Uh, the silent character Calvin Cooley is named for President Calvin Coolidge. Uh, Coolidge. Who, yeah, that, that, that's uh, yeah Calvin Coolidge. What did I say? Coolidge. <laughs> yeah, but he was like one of the mediocre, less memorable presidents. So I think yeah. calling him Coolidge is probably acceptable. Calvin Coolidge, who was known as a man of few words. Hmm. How about that? He, I bet you he would have killed on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bill Murray turned down the lead roles in Big, Rain Man, Cocktail, all made in 1988 to make this film. Who, who in Cocktail? The the men, the mentor to Tom Cruise? Because obviously he wasn't going to be the young shotgun yeah, bartender. He, correct. I, I, he would have been the mentor in this one, for sure. Coglin's Law. Exactly, Coglin's Law. There are also like the musicians when he's on his way, the street musicians that he's just like, when he's walking back with his brother, that's like Miles Davis and some other famous people, right? Correct. Yeah. So Miles Davis plays one of the street musicians, as does Paul Schaefer from David Letterman's uh, house band. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Uh, one that I have is the... Uh, the free South Africa posters that you see um, in in Calvin's home and also in the production studio, those are by Keith Herring. And you can also see these similar free South Africa posters in another Donner film, Lethal Weapon 2. How about that? Because mm-hmm. I, I was generally curious if that was like an actual, like, like a subtle message or an overt message that was being delivered since uh, I wasn't too familiar with them. Or I, I was just like, you know, what, you know, cause they pop up a couple of times in the movie. Yeah. So I looked them up and I'm like, Oh, you know, just uh, the artist uh, being displayed. I'm pretty sure they had something to, you know, in referring for like ending apartheid and whatnot. So, right. Uh, and then lastly, uh, at the end of the movie, when everyone is singing, put a little love in your heart. Uh, Frank says, feed me, Seymour, which is a line <laughs> from Little Shop of Horrors, in which yeah. Bill Murray had a, a tiny little small part. Okay, so let's get to our reviews here, Janetto. What do we think? And just as a recap for everyone out there listening, uh, our rating system is, yeah, I'd watch it again. Meh, mm, probably not. Or, feh, get out of here. I'm not going to watch this one ever again. So, I would go with, yeah. 
uh i think part of that goes with me this is like the first time i watched this movie so i think part of either giving a fit or a mess sometimes goes into you've seen it too many times you're exhausted from it so seeing it i enjoyed it i liked all of the the inside like jokes the running gags with bobcat goldwaite the uh lady from was it the 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 censor the censor yeah. that how she continually every time that she was on set she was horribly injured um in some way or another right. uh so you know uh bill murray's acting i think and also a lot of the stuff he probably ended up at blibbing i thought was exceptional so i would definitely watch it again so this gets a yeah for me yeah and i'm gonna be in in between yeah and meh i don't know if this one really holds up to 2021 uh but i definitely watch this again you know around christmas time next year uh maybe when the the little beeps are a little bit older i, I might show them this movie the tv uh, version yeah no areola exactly um yeah you know what i'm gonna give it a, a yeah uh there's there's a couple of parts there that i just absolutely loved uh the richard Pryor joke killed me um I'll there's go, also go, yeah yeah i think there's also um we probably missed it off of the top but the fact that somebody named donner right made a christmas movie <laughs> you know so that that has to you know jingle a couple of bells out there just, just a couple <laughs> um well, let us know what you guys thought of this one. You know, leave us a uh, comment, leave us a review, five star review on our Apple Podcast, um, or leave us a, uh, a message on Twitter. You can reach us always uh, on Twitter at Lower After Hours or Instagram. Uh, we're there at Lower After Hours. This is going to do it for us tonight. Thank you so much for listening uh, to this episode of Lower After Hours presents Cinema. This is at Beep Count and Jeanette, thank you very much for joining us. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at J A Y H E R 17. You know, once again, um, give us your thoughts, comments, anything that we got wrong. Maybe if you want to fact check us on stuff, or if you agree, disagree with us, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. And that's going to do it. Thanks a lot for, uh, for checking us out. Have a great night. Yay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. Mm-hmm.